Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen? And so are you! <laughs> And welcome to another episode of The Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. Why the hell am I talking like that? Well, I'll tell you why, because this is episode 41, and tonight we are taking a trip to the sunny shores of Feritalia to check out the 1971 giallo classic, Black Belly of the Tarantula. And also, we are chock full of gossip and chatter tonight, because in the interim since our last show, Mr. Brad and I fought a portal from hell that opened up in our ceiling. Plus, I want to know, are you the bitch that took my chicken? We're all going to find out if it was you because the show is about to start right after this. Greetings from the cockpit, everyone. This is the host and captain of the Seder Sphere podcast with a special message just for you. I'm Seder69, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you. <laughs> The Satersphere podcast is the personal musings of a dirty old goat, namely me. Expect talk about theater, role-playing games, hockey, and my best friend down below, the Impaler. Also, join Patrick for his favorite segment, the Mystery Musical. There's a lot of scary shit on Broadway, trust me. So hopefully we'll hear you soon at the Satersphere. Until then, this is a Seder. Over and out. <laughs> oh, Seder baby. If I didn't adore you already, I love you now. And I do love the musical mystery segment. What can I say? Gay. Although I gotta say, Seder, man, that promo was like a minute long. God, what a time hog you are. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back. It's an honor to have you with me here again. First of all, I need to get the news out of the way. As many of you already know, my sister Teresa, who's been battling cancer for a very long time, passed away on September 8th. Um, And it's been a really rough period for me and Brad and the whole family. The one thing that can be interpreted as, as nice, if anything can be interpreted as nice about the whole thing, is that when she finally passed, she got the death that a lot of people, you know, always say that they want. She was surrounded by her family and died in her own bed at home. My mother was there. My sister Kathy was there. My brother Jimmy was there. The priest was there. Her two children were there. Her grandniece was there. And um, my mother was in bed with her, and they were looking through a photo album um, you know, of old pictures. And she was like, oh, remember this? That was North Carolina. Oh, remember this? That was your honeymoon. And somewhere during looking at the pictures, she just went. And my granny, she's 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 a pip. She's just under two. Uh, she's just about to turn three, and she is always this bundle of positive energy and joy. Even for a kid, I don't think I've ever seen her cry. When um, Teresa finally died, and they told her like, "Oh, she's gone." She's like, "Oh no! Well, let's all have a parade to send Aunt Teresa to heaven," which was really cute and really sweet and really sad. And it's a relief, and it's horrible. All at the same time. And if anything cool came out of the funeral mass, is that the priest who said her service 
His name was Father Paul McCartney. And if you guys have been listening for a while, you'll know that Teresa was a huge Beatles fan. She's the one that bought me that t-shirt. She took me to a Beatle Fest convention and she bought me that t-shirt when I was a kid that said Stamp Out Fun and had a blue meanie on it. I think she would have really liked that. But I want to thank you all for everyone who wrote and called and left such wonderful messages. I was really moved from the support that I got from you listeners. You know, people who I've never met. I, I, I don't know what else to say except it was very moving. And... On one of my worst days, uh, shortly, I think it was the day after she passed, I opened up my email. I had asked, about a week previous, I had asked Seder from the Seder Sphere if he could do a promo that I could for his show that I can advertise on, on my show, which you just heard. And when I started listening to it, and it cut into the disco theme from Friday the 13th Part 3, I laughed so hard that I cried. Tears of happiness, tears of joy. And I didn't think that would have been possible on that day. So for that, you, Seder, are the Scream Queen of the Week. Bravo! You finally did it! You finally won! You finally get nothing because the TR is always going to be mine! No matter how hard you try, I'm not that bereft. So that much aside, what else has been going on? Well, it's been a big week in gay history, for one thing. You know, we got Chaz Bono kicking ass on Dancing with the Stars. We got Don't Ask, Don't Tell repealed last night at midnight. I'm sure Lady Gaga's doing something. That's always news for us. And it's it's been crazy. And as my friend David, hi David, David who's out there listening, said on his Twitter, he said, I don't see what the problem is with Chaz Bono. Being on Dancing with the Stars. The problem is that Chaz Bono is on Dancing with the Stars and he looks like Khloe Kardashian. It's funny because it's true. So I had posted on uh, Twitter yesterday that I had to take the cats to the vets and it caused a bit of a stir among you guys. Everybody was very concerned that Tyler had gotten sick again or something was wrong with Sebastian Cat. No, 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 they're both fine. It was just their follow up visit and they're both perfectly, perfectly healthy, even though they're still not happy with us. They're on diets now because they're fat. So if the two of us, Mr. Bradford and I, get murdered in our beds mysteriously during the week, you'll know what really happened. It was the cats. Damn those pussies. Oh, so we live in an apartment building, not so, and it's a it's um recently renovated apartment building. It's, it's pre-war from the 30s, and it had uh, devolved into a slum, or a notorious slum, up until a few years ago when the city had stepped in and said, listen, you, this place, you know, throw everybody out and do redo the whole place from top to bottom. So we got this brand new, huge, newly restored apartment, and it's awesome. Now, some of the old tenants are still here, and some of them did not have their apartments renovated, like the people who live above us. We hate the people who live above us. First of all, they're just weird. I've never met them, but you know the sounds that I hear coming from there at night, you know, on the ceiling. I I, I would expect to hear people walking back and forth, clump 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 clump. But I swear to God, it's like they're rolling boulders at three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Just dragging heavy slabs of concrete from one side of the room to the other for hours on end. I mean, what goes on up there? Plus, when you look at their apartment from the outside, you know, you look up at the building, you see all the air conditioners and see, well, you know, I'm looking at people's window treatments to steal ideas, you know, because we're gay and everything. And they always have their underwear hanging in the windows. You know, you see the bare light bulb and panties in the window. 
Where is this fashionable? And it's the same panties. It's not like the panties change over time or with the seasons. Nothing. It's just panties in the window. How much are those panties in the window? The ones with the crusty skid marks. Blech! I'm sorry. I never saw that on the HGTV channel. No, sir. I haven't even seen it on my big redneck wedding, for Christ's sake. And to make it worse, they have a leak. I mean, we're, we're getting flooded because they have some leak because their shitty apartment didn't get renovated. We, all of a sudden, we started getting boobs on the kitchen ceiling. These big boobs of plaster where they were filling with water. And I'm like, oh, God damn these fucking people. And it finally started leaking this horrible black stuff. And we can only imagine where it was coming from. So we're not happy. I'm moderately amused because we have two boobs coming out of the kitchen ceiling. Because I'm, like I've said many times on the show, I am still in junior high school. So we called the super. He went, he fixed the leak upstairs. He, you know, came in and punctured the bubbles to let the water drain out. And so Brad and I were about to go out like an hour or so after that. And as we're leaving, I look up the ceiling to see how it's going. And now it's not a boob anymore. Well, one of them just went flat, but the other one is now looking like a prolapsed anus. And if you don't know what that looks like, I, I, well, I, I, I'm not going to, it's gross, is what I'm saying. That's when your intestines can start pooping out of your own anus, you're, you're shitting out your own guts, hanging from my ceiling. I'm like, this is not an improvement. This is probably like some portal to hell that's opening up on my ceiling right now. Carolyn, Carolyn, are you out there? Now, I know some Weisenheimer out there is going to be like, well, at least you didn't get a vagina coming out of your ceiling because it probably would have exploded all over you. <laughs> okay, listen, smarty pants. I would have preferred that. Believe it or not, I would have been okay with that. Well, not okay with it, but it would have been preferable to this because I would have looked up at it and said, aha, another one of you. We meet again, old enemy. Explode away, vagina from hell. I'm used to dealing with your kind. But no, instead I get some awful fisting bottom anus dripping its goop. It's black seepage all over my floor. For me to collect in a bucket to dispose of at my own leisure. This is a new horror altogether. And as we're leaving, Bradford says, Well, I hope when we come home there's not hair coming out of it. You know, long black hair just starting to... Scrooge its way out. I said, why the hell would you say something like that? He said, well, the people upstairs are Asian. That always happens in Asian horror movies. And I was like, oh, I hate you. But I don't. I love you. Anyway, that didn't happen. Now it just got some weird hieroglyphic symbol on the ceiling. That was a really long story. So let me tell you another one. I'm in the food town the other night. That's the supermarket around here. And I'm depressed, you know, because as I've said a few times now, I'm bereft. I am in a state of bereavement, so I'm in a daze a lot of the time. And this was a particularly rough night. I'd gone, I didn't feel like cooking, so I bought a whole chicken, and they know they have whole, you know, pre-cooked chickens. And I'm waiting online, and the woman in front of me, she's checking out, she's talking to the checkout guy. Oh, yes, and my husband, he's just, you know, he'll be back in a minute. He's getting some lemons, and oh, we're going to make this, and we're going to make that. And as she's talking, without breaking her gaze from the checkout guy, she slowly reaches her hand over, Puts it on my chicken and slides the chicken over to her so that the checkout guy goes blip and rings it up. And like I said, I'm dazed as it is. And I'm going, did that just happen? That bitch just stole my chicken. Excuse me, but bitch stole my chicken. 
I didn't say any of that, but but anyway. Then her husband comes back and he's got his handful of lemons. He's like, oh, sorry, I've got four little lemons, blah, blah. And this is taking forever. And I'm still in shock that this bitch took my chicken. And so they're packing up and they're packing up. And the checkout guy goes, uh, do you want me to put the two chickens in one bag? And she goes, two chickens? We only bought one chicken. Why the hell would we buy two chickens? I what would I need two chickens for? How dare you ring up two chickens? Where did this other chicken come from? And she looks, shoots a look at me like, mm. that's lasers coming out of her eyes. Mm. And my jaw's on the floor right now because I'm just, I wish I would have said it, but I'm just like, bitch, took my chicken. You took my chicken, bitch. So now I have to wait for them to, you know, for wait for the cashier, you know, void out the second chicken and then ring back in. And it's just taking forever. They have to call the manager over. And all because the bitch took my chicken and she's shooting dirt. She's cutting her eyes at me like I did something wrong. I didn't do anything. You took my chicken, bitch. And I am so mad. I get home with the groceries and Mr. Brad's like, huh, honey, now my bitch took my chicken. He's like, what? And I said, that bitch took my chicken. I, just got, I, I was like, it's all I could say. Over and over, bitch took my chicken. Bitch took my chicken. Bitch took my chicken. Bitch took my chicken. He finally called me, called me down. He told me a story. He's like, that's awful, honey. That's right. The bad lady's not going to come and take your chicken no more. I'm like, don't you patronize me. You patronize me again and that hair going to come down to the ceiling and choke your ass. That shut him up. So since things have been sad here, I have not been watching a lot of horror movies you know i know this is what this is all about but i just i can't um i'm not really watching much of anything nothing's really it's hard to focus on anything to be perfectly honest including doing the show right now it's got to be done because i want it to be done i need to be talking to you guys um my initial plan was with mr brad was to go we should do one of those drama queens episodes that we were talking about you know something that we've seen but we haven't seen anything and what we've seen was so long ago, it's hard to talk about now because, you know, it's got the shade of death over it. And I'm going to be playing an excerpt from the episode of 42nd Street Drive-In podcast where I sat down with Sean and Chris to talk about the Giallo film Black Belly of the Tarantula. And it's a little rough. There's some sound issues. It's fun to listen to because it's fun to listen to Sean struggling to keep the show on track and to keep some kind of intellectual through line going through it. And then there's Chris who's just obsessing over every minute plot detail endlessly like Rain Man. And then there's me, who's determined to throw everybody off course. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Please stick around after that because we got a whole bunch of voicemails, and this bunch is particularly funny. So I hope you like it. So shut up, Patrick, and let's just do it. Well, not do it, you know, not it, it, but, you know, just, just shut up is what I'm saying. God, so immature. Uh, that was my chicken. It's my chicken. Bitch. It's my chicken. I just said it's my chicken. God damn it. 
chicken. Bitch! You got to know you a chicken. That's my chicken! Night. A time for quiet. A time for evil. Behind the door. Through the window. A time for terror. A terror that leaves a tiny clue, a pattern of blood. Repeated again and again and again. Don't make a move. your most secret moments how do you escape a death that comes in the night like some monstrous ancient ritual mgm presents the black belly of the tarantula a gothic tale of terror and death ah! back with our second installment tonight with Black Belly of the Tarantula 1971 and with us to talk about this Black Belly is the one and only Patrick from Scream Queens. Hello Patrick. Hey everybody how you doing? Doing well it's good to have you back as always. Yeah it's been pretty good. Not bad. Well Chris do you want to uh, go ahead and launch into your synopsis before we get started? Oh, black belly, bam, bam, oh, black belly, bam, bam, Okay, wait, belly, wait, 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 what? Hold on, why does it got to be a black belly, huh? <laughs> Couldn't just be called belly of the tarantula, it's got to be black belly, whatever. <laughs> See how it is. Yes, they do come in all uh, different colors, don't they? But anyway, <laughs> Chris, do you want to do a uh, breakdown, I guess I should have said? Well, I was going to break dance. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm thinking black belly. Oh, black belly, bam, bam. I'm spitting out my head, black belly. Poppy <laughs> lock, poppy lock. <laughs> black belly of the tarantula is everything a great giallo should in spades. Hot women, creepy suspects, a genius death scenes, and a mustache woman. The plot deals with a not-so-bright detective following the trail of a murderer who paralyzes his victims with some sort of toxin before disemboweling them, much like a wasp kills a tarantula, as shown in the scene that looks like it was lifted directly from a National Geographic episode. It turns out a professor of tarantulas has also smuggling cocaine into the country in their habitat. He may or may not be a supplier of his first victim, 
or maybe it's her jealous husband, or maybe a photographer that may or may not be blackmailing her, or the scandalous matron of the salon where all the victims attend. Confused yet? You should be, since this movie has more red herrings than a fish market. None of these subplots ever go anywhere, which makes the movie just that much more confusing at times, especially in the end when the killer is revealed and has nothing to do with any of them. That doesn't stop the bodies from piling up as the detective seemingly gets close to apprehending the killer, of course, which would probably never have happened until he went after the detective's wife. Overall, the movie itself is very well done and could easily rank in any top ten GLs list. Well, thank you, Chris. Uh, let's I'm go so ahead. enriched now. That was fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> let's go ahead and uh, do a quick discussion about the filmmaker. Okay, I'm going to have a trouble with his first name. Paolo? Oh, is he Italian? Yes, he is, as a matter of fact. P-A-O-L-O. Paolo? Anyway. Paolo. Paolo. That's, I know that Italian. Was... Like, I'm not looking at it. Hold on. Where are you during the zombie episodes and the cannibal episodes? <laughs> and, the... <laughs> and the upcoming Spaghetti Western episode? Uh, Paolo Cavera. Anyway, during yeah, the... Yeah, that's it. Paolo Cavera. Okay, thank you. Hey, right, Rivera. No relation. I pulled it up on IMDb, so I'll be able to help you out when you embarrass yourself later on. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we have you here. Okay, during the 50s, he studied architecture in Florence University. Then he realized documentaries... Then he realized? Documentaries for scientific trips and emerged as a pioneer of the underwater cinematography. One of these shipments is the important 1951 voyage to Ceylon. Okay. I don't know. Bueller? Anyway, along with Franco Prosperity, d- documented by local news that anticipated Folco Quilci's six continent experience. <laughs> then Cabrera worked for a series of Italian national. <laughs> you don't want to experience that seven continent, Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> then Cabrera worked for a series of Italian national TV films led by Giorgio Moser. But he worked as an assistant director, too. Timbuktu and Naked oh. Maya, a 1958 great production by Henry Coster. In 1962, Cabrera and Prosperi conceived and directed with Gualatirio Jacopetti, first documentary <laughs> of the history, Mondo Kane. Cabrera traveled and every Cani. part of... <laughs> What's that? Mondo Kani. Remember, this is what the Andy Kopp always talks about. Oh, uh, yes, that's what I said. I just was going to see if you were paying attention. Yes! Cabrera traveled in every part of the world, from Africa to Asia, Europe to Japan, putting his life continuously in danger. At, li- at last, he met again Jaco Petty in Las Vegas, and together. Hey, stopped- Jaco Petty, how you doing? <laughs> oh, that, you That's get it, Jaco Petty. Move it together, hey! <laughs> <laughs> and together suffered for an automobile accident. I'm really wondering about the. Jaco Petty, look where you're going, hey! Look at this biography here. Uh, anyway. Uh, for an automobile accident, and together suffered for an automobile accident where Belinda Lee for- forgot her life. That is exactly what it says. Anyway, maybe I should have previewed. She forgot. This. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I yeah. should have previewed this before I started reading it. Anyway, no, please go on. This is fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> the film landed to Cannes Festival. I got to buy the rights for this to make the movie. Or not, <laughs> I forgot my life. Actually, uh, following success. The film is landing. <laughs> Sorry, that was my UFO noise. <laughs> they usually hover. Following success, Jacko Petty tried unjustly to appropriate all merits, exposing ridiculously himself. <laughs> Why am I getting I get the feeling this is actually an Italian. the... The Italian to, to English translation without really checking up on it. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking, too. Uh, to Mechanic Reflectors. <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually an opera. <laughs> he edited that film, but didn't realize it. He, he was How do you do that? Oh, my God. 
I, I've done it before. I get really drunk on something. It's like, what, is a really bad movie that I have to work on? Hey, I, I thought I was making a pizza in a movie. <laughs> What's the matter, you? <laughs> he was imprisoned in Hong Kong when co-authors were at work, and months later, months later came, <laughs> came back on set <laughs> when film was quite concluded. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Next year, Women of the World will be edited with inferior materials of that film. Undo Kane, not Kanye West, launched Cabrera as author and director. From that moment, he doesn't stop making films. <laughs> Ever. Never, nevertheless, that's right. <laughs> I sleep, I have the shower, I make it. I'm move. making a poopy, I'm making a movie. It's a movie pooper. <laughs> oh, let's see. Uh, nevertheless, that experience leave the sign for future projects. Having left his associates, he directed the forwarding... <laughs> Malomondo, an anti-mondo, and on European youth, and in 1967, Wild Eye with Alberto Moreva and Tonina Guerrera, scriptwriters added a definitively breakaway of the of the genre, conducted with spectacular ability and an and and a, and a anticipated reflections on cinema making cinema with ambiguous and conscious perspective. Wild Eye won Atlanta, Fe Atlanta Festival. I can't take anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and landed in Moscow, where received 35 minutes Shut of, up. Applause, uh, of applause is. Where's the gong? Somebody <laughs> gong this son of a bitch. <laughs> we're almost done. We're almost done. Uh, he did uh. continue with charming inverted war genre formulas, drama The Ravine, and David McCollum as protagonist, a promise of 69 Baddest Festival, and in 71 Black Belly of the Tarantula, a cult thriller with a big cast balance between documentary scenes and a human amusing of the inspector Giancarlo Giannini. <laughs> this is like Italy's payback for Sean butchering the language during all this. Yes, I'm really having a hard time with this. Following along, many other many others good European successes comedy western TV movie. A remarkable example is Blood of Fear, his second thriller with Michel Placido and Eli Wallach, where Cabrera exposed in a new radical shape traditional <laughs> elements of gothic police film and Italian giallo. Not identified as a conventional director, Cabrera uh, searched attention in his, in his not long <laughs> professional career on controversial subjects and film characters doing following his great skillful sensibilities for visual contrasts. He died in Rome in 1982. Okay, well, well, we should have taken that synopsis with well, him. <laughs> there was one coherent sentence, and it was the last one. Uh, well, are you sure he's dead? Not just forgetting his life. Shut up, dummy. <laughs> okay, well, okay. Sean, uh, a podcast Sean, tip here: preview your uh, bios yeah. before you read from them. Yes, go Sean, ahead. Sean, you're 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 kind of going tinny. Am I? I don't know. I don't know if it was just the internet re re revolting against that horrible thing, but your voice is cutting in and out, getting alien sounding. It's Chris? not bad now. Yeah, hey, you're you're back now, but you were starting to thin out there for a while, so. Should I wasn't I... sure if it was that or I was having a kind of a stroke. <laughs> Did I continue and start over from the beginning? No, please don't. However, I'm on the IMDb page, which I try never to do when I'm podcasting, but that that biography left out two of his best titles. Uh, in, 1966, of... in 1966, he made a documentary called Witch Doctor in Tales. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Plot of Not Fear. Not to be confused with Medicine Man in the Tutu. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, the best is yet to come because in 1973, he made a movie called Death, Smith, and Johnny Ears. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a fun 
funny because one guy's deaf and the other guy just got the big ears. <laughs> Why does he sound like Vinnie Barbarino? Exactly. <laughs> it's like the Italian Harold Harding. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Mr. Cutter. Hey. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and jump right into the movie uh, before we have another uh, bio to read through. The DVD box cover states that Black Belly of the Tarantula is the, quote, greatest giallo of all time. Would you agree, or was the box cover lying to us, Patrick? Who said? I box the box cover. The box cover. That's okay. just box cover. Does this box uh, cover have references? <laughs> well, I just pulled up the box cover. The box cover says it's Horror View, which I've never heard of. Um, this one I, I have. To around. be perfectly honest, I only just started. I watched some Giallos when I was younger, when I was in high school, and I had no use for them. I didn't get them. Yeah. Um, in the past few years, I've started to watch them. Now I understand the genre a bit more, and I appreciate more of the things about it. This is the most coherent Giallo I've seen. Yeah, I I could concur. You know, because um, um, Jesus Christ, who's the other guy? The big one, Mario Mario Baba. Argeno. Argeno. Argeno stuff always gets really weird, hard to follow. This is pretty straightforward. And yeah. It, 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 I, yeah, I don't know if it's the best, but it was the clearest and and I, it's the most marketable. Well, I would say it's entertaining, but I guess when compared to most of the other Giallo I've seen, I guess it's just kind of middle of the road. Um, well, what about Paul you, says otherwise. Do yes, well, that's true. Greatest? Because the video box said so? No, I never tried to believe what video box was telling me. <laughs> <laughs> it was good, but yeah. I mean, it had its This is a good review on the box about Post Doom, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> 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 you know, uh, I, I'd still say that uh, blood, uh, as a blood of black lace is still the best overall. Oh. To me, that's that's still the defining yellow as far yeah, as I, 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 I yeah, was, yeah, I yeah, yeah. That but this was very coherent. But it just had a lot of loose ends that never really went anywhere. Like, what was that whole? Oh, you're black belly people. Well, I'll bring you the proof. As soon as she says, I'll bring you the proof. Anybody says, I'll tell you later, I'll bring you the proof later, you know they're dead in this movie. Okay, yes, but that happens twice. Once is bad, it happens twice in this movie, but we're way ahead of ourselves. <laughs> yes, we are. Well, in this film, the off-screen gloved killer used uses as, uh, I'm, God, I'm, that, I'm whole, that whole, uh, <laughs> so no, can't speak the, English uh, now. film bio is now just totally throwing me for a loop. In this film, the off-screen uh, gloved killer uses an acupuncture needle to inject into the necks of their intended victim so as to paralyze them, thus making them helpless while the killer carves them up with a knife. Midway through the film, we're shown some nature footage of a tarantula being attacked by a wasp whose stinger injected into the spider has the same effect. Wouldn't the title Deadly Stinger or the Wasp have been a more suitable title than Black Belly of the Tarantula? You can't sing that. That's true. No, no, this is alliterative. <laughs> deadly Stinger or oh, the Wasp. Oh, Deadly Stinger. And you know, American <laughs> audiences are afraid of black things, so, you know, it works. Ah, uh, okay. Is that where we're going with this? Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so matters factly, I'm going to just go along with that. Yes? I, I remember when this was out. I remember seeing an ad for this in the paper when I was a kid. And I remember them being very disappointed when I found out it wasn't about tarantulas. Because, you know, this is this is when all the tarantula movies were out and, like, all the right. nature run amok movie. Kingdom of the someone, Spiders. Someone's like, oh, it's just about it's about an Italian killer killing women who are naked. I'm like, uh, bleh, I want tarantulas. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, uh, one thing I was lucky to stumble upon, uh, there was one film that I saw as a kid that freaked me out, and I never never knew what the title was or... Uh, is that Johnny Yearswood? Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> it was just about these giant ears. No, it was about this girl who could control these tarantulas psychically, and she would send them out to do her bidding. And, and uh, oh. it was kind of like Carrie. And I, I know that knew, movie. I know that I movie. I can't think of it. Then while I was over here, I'll tell you some other time. <laughs> while I was researching this one on Netflix uh, to find a copy, sure enough, what pops up? A Kiss of the Tarantula, which was the film I was looking for. So that one does have tarantulas in it. If you wanna, if you wanna go with that one. So, well, that although there is a tarantula in this film, just not for a very long time. You know what? I lied. I'm sorry. I didn't see that. This must have been a revival. When it, well, not a revival, but a re-release when it came out because uh, I was not reading the paper in 1971. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. He's such a precocious child. <laughs> Now, in our previous segment, we mentioned that in most Giallo films, one common element in them is that the crimes were typically solved by your average guy in the street and not the police. However, in this one, Giancarlo Giannini plays a detective assigned to the case. Did I do that one wrong? No, that's right. Okay, okay. (laughs) Uh, Just hesitation. Just dive in. That was like a giant sigh of relief, actually. (laughs) Just dive in. Just don't, don't back away from it. We won't know if you're wrong. Just go. Would you say having such an established actor of his caliber lifts this film above, above most other Gialli? I have no oh. idea who he is. Oh. Ditto. <laughs> really? No, so no. Both. Your answer would be no. Moving on. No, but uh, the thing is, you're right. I thought that. Go to the bonus round. <laughs> this movie did, you know, if there, if you have the rules of the Giallo, it did break a few of them, and that's one of them. That it's not about an average guy. However, this guy's not your average police detective either. True. He wants to quit. He's a quitter. Yeah, he's, he's not. He's not your super. I know everything. He's really insecure about the whole thing. And the other thing is that he's never under suspicion, which normally is what happens in a in the Giallo as well. Is that the main character is usually suspected of whatever is going on. Right. And this should have been told from the husband's point of view. That from the uh, the first girl who got killed. Uh, what's her name? Mrs. Zadie? Zadie? Whatever. I don't know. Her husband. Because remember, he went out there. And he's he's got him in the parking lot at gunpoint. He's like, "Don't try to follow me." And stuff. He's like, "Why are you doing this? Because I have to clear my name." See, that was the Jello. The guy was that was what the movie should have been about. Was the husband, not this cop. Was, I don't know. Do I want to be a cop? I don't know. Maybe I want to be a a dirt farmer or something. He was just. <laughs> well, see, I like that. I like that. It, you know, because it's just. I don't know. I just like the human nature of him, that he was flawed, and, and it made it more interesting for me that he was not super sleuth. Right. And he was, yeah. in out of his head. he was in way over his head. And there were certainly a lot of things that just sort of flew right under him, <laughs> right well, under they, his they, radar. They, they, so. yeah. they could have put Inspector Clouseau in his place, and you would have looked the difference. <laughs> oh, exactly. nice. By the way, Giancarlo Giannini is an Oscar-nominated Italian actor, director, and multilingual dubber who made an international reputation for his leading roles in Italian films, as well as uh, his for his mastery of a variety of languages and dialects. Fantastic! Maybe you can dub over the show, so it sounds yeah, like dub over your English. fucking biography. <laughs> Jesus Christ! He was offered the role of Belloc in Raiders of the Lost Ark, and he also did Jack Nicholson's voice in the Italian version of The Shining. How could you not know him? But anyway. <laughs> All right, moving along. Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't watch The Shining in Italian, perhaps? I don't know. Uh, oh, Patrick, it's yes. time for a little trivia. It is Giannini. <laughs> Chris, yes. can you play a little Jeopardy music while Patrick is thinking here? Okay, you ready? My yeah. question to you is, Claudine Auger, Barbara Boucher, and Barbara Bach, three lovely actresses who all starred in this film, all share what in common? Vaginas. Yes. Well, that is true. Unfortunately, the answer I was looking for is... I don't know. Yeah. Hold on a second. I didn't think about it. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. just a reactionary answer. Shut the fuck up. Let's, Were they let's... all Bond girls? Very good. Thank you. 
<laughs> oh, way to go, IMDb. I mean, great job. No, Patrick. I'm not on IMDb. I'm not on IMDb anymore. But I know Barbara Bach was one. And yes, she was. The only Actually, other thing that she's known for is fucking Rainbow man. Star. That's yeah, thank true. You. <laughs> Atuka Lunlana. Atuka Zug Zug. I remember all that fucking caveman. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, one other note, too. That's, is that's that her the... picture at IMDb, too, is from Caveman. Oh, God, yes, it is. Okay, I have to get off my IMDb. <laughs> I, mean, I was only here to help you pronounce names, okay? <laughs> well, one other note, too, I'll throw out there. I'm just trying to help. <laughs> Giancarlo Giannini was uh, featured heavily in the last two Bond films with Daniel Craig, Casino Royale, and Quantum of Solace, if you're interested. Anyway. Nobody knows who he is. He <laughs> loves him so much. Why Bond's mentor him? in the last, and Casino Royale. Fascinating. Uh, anyway, all right, moving along. The film starts off with one hell of a murder sequence with the death of Barbara Boucher's character, who, by the way, I was... I beg to differ. The movie was, starts off with one hell of a massage scene. <laughs> well, <laughs> shortly after the... Hey, come the, on, the, that, that was pretty uh, sensational. That was pretty sensational. Okay, so it, it's okay if he blind guy... That was a really hot scene. <laughs> so wait, okay, it's it's okay to have a blind guy touching you as long as he gets you and he's touching Don't you think that this kind of... This is all he's got left here? He's like Daredevil? It just makes it that much more sexy to him? Probably... Well, here's the thing, though. The thing, he's giving her a massage, but it's not really a massage. It's just, it was the weirdest massage. She's a nymphomaniac. Don't you hear the part? She's a Gingerly poking her here. It wasn't even a massage. It's like, I'm, I'm rubbing my fingers lightly across the, I'm like, it's not a massage. <laughs> well, what made it great was it was all tight close-ups and stuff, and the music was really moody. It was like, blah, blah, blah. And then there was a, uh, well, you'll have to excuse me for a second, gentlemen. Uh, Got to whack it? Yeah. Uh, where was I? Now you've got me thrown off. Know. The film starts off with one hell of a murder sequence uh, with the death of Barbara Boucher's character, who appears mostly nude in this film, by the way. Uh, but the subsequent murders... Yeah, that was like, one uh, diaphanous gown. I have seen diaphanous gowns before, but that was one diaphanous nightgown. <laughs> Uh, but the subsequent murders that take place afterwards are all very tame by comparison. Some of them are even off screen. Did this bother anyone else besides me? No. <laughs> okay. Chris? No, I, I was cool with it. Okay. No, it's a different era. I mean, you saw the worst of it. it you saw the worst of what this guy's going to do. And the rest of the time, your imagination's going to fill it in, and it's just as bad. You know what I could have done oh, worse. without seeing? Or worse? The woman, with, the woman with the mustache. What the hell was that all about? <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? She was at the, the spa. At she, the spa. She was oh, like fuck. Okay, wait. That spa is a whole other story. We gotta, we're all over the place. The yes. other, like, going back to the rules of a giallo, the other thing that struck me was that the guy's not wearing black No, he's wearing uh, see-through gloves. Yes, he is. Well, it threw me at first because I'm like, whoa, he's got mannequin hands. What the hell is that? <laughs> it freaked me out. I'm like, he's a weird puppet person. But no, he's got he's got surgical gloves on. What is the guy? Uh, puppet master or whatever? Where he's got the little puppet that's dressed up like a Jello killer? Black Devil Doll from Hell? No, not Black Devil from Hell. <laughs> it, it's a Puppet Master, isn't it? The guy's got the little the little dolls that run around. The one's yeah, got yes, a little the little moon yeah. movies, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought it was at first. Oh, my God, it's going to be a... Oh. It looks like mannequin heads, because for some reason there's mannequins in all those Jello thrillers. Yeah, there are. Uh, the other thing that struck me is that's not an acupuncture needle. Yes, well... Uh, that I'm was just... not an acupuncture needle. I don't know him. <laughs> Acupuncture, as a science, I studied acupuncture. It has not changed as a science in thousands of years. So you can't say that's a 1970s edition, like version of uh, what nerve are you going to hit with that? <laughs> it's the size of like the size of a turkey baster. The thing's fucking huge. 
Uh, well, it was more like a sewing needle. Um, knitting needle. Uh, knitting needle, thank you. That's what I meant. Anyway, uh, we mentioned in our previous segment about how Argento introduced the voyeuristic element of the giallo, uh, which is on bigger display here with someone blackmailing Rome's well-to-do with photographs of their naked wives with other men, as well as Giannini's detective discovering a film of him and his wife making love. How did this aspect of the film settle with you, Chris? Oh, it was splendid. <laughs> Patrick. <laughs> that, it was that whole blackmailing scheme that like, comes into play, and they, they talk about it. Okay, I'll have to fill you in on this. I know who's killing whoever. But then it never gets back to that. It's like, what the fuck was that all about? It was no, like this whole... See, I saw it completely differently. Like, it got me thinking. As they, they, they put that up front pretty much right away, the blackmailing scheme. So obviously it's a red herring. But it got me thinking. I'm like, but clearly it's going to have something to do with it. And I figure it's going to have something to do with that guy who's always in the photos with the women who are being blackmailed. So I got kind of on the right track, kind of on the wrong track. I'm thinking, ooh, maybe it's a woman who's in love with that guy and is killing all the women that he's sleeping with. But it got me thinking about what, since it was such a huge red herring, it got me thinking about what the other possible solutions would be. So I didn't mind it at all. Okay. Well, it was just this giant loose end flapping in the wind at the end of the movie. It's like, wait a second, what was the whole blackmail scheme? Ah, it doesn't matter. We got the, oh, no, right, I'm jumping ahead of myself. With yes, the, and we don't want to reveal the killer. Uh, Chris, this one's for you. We talked about Ennio Morricone's music for the bird with the crystal pu- uh, pu- pubic. Is, is that what we're still calling it? The bird with the yeah. crystal pubic? Is that what you just said? <laughs> <laughs> All this talk about massage and Barbara Boucher. Uh, now we're <sighs> black. <laughs> now we're black belly of the tarantula. Morricone has provided the music for this one as well. How does his score for this film compare to that of Argento's film? Oh, this was a wonderful score. The Argento film sounds like he threw a cat on a piano. <laughs> he said, go with it, kitty, go. That was horrible. <sighs> it's just like, you know what? I'm, I'm Ennio Morricone, I can do whatever the hell I damn well please, and nobody's going to question me. You know why? Because I'm Ennio Morricone, goddammit. Right I, I, right right I like the music in that. Yes, this music was wonderful. I've actually got this off uh, some Italian soundtrack stuff, so I actually knew the music by the time I'd seen the movie. I was like, I know this song! So you were gas. You said it was better suited to a 70s porn film than a thriller of this caliber? Hey, it worked. Well, no, I mean, there was that music that sounded like 70s porn, but then, like, there were other parts where it just, the music was, it almost sounded like two scores were playing at once. Two very different scores, and that was working for me. It put me on, it put, it jarred me. Well, I thought he phoned it in, but that's my sensitive, that's my sensitive musical ear. He didn't even phone it in for uh, Bird the Crystal Plumage. He had his cat phone it in after the cat walked back and forth across the piano for like twenty-four well, the, minutes. The cat, after, the cat was after the bird. The cat was after the bird. That's probably what he did. I mean, that's what it's. That's what that music sounded like. Oh, on that pussy, one. eat like, the bird. Go on the piano. Hey, yeah. I said it's like you know he got a fat check for it. He's just like, yeah, what the fuck do I care? You know what? <laughs> I don't know. I just felt a lot of it uh, felt very bland and uninspired, even though I'm a big fan of his work. I just wasn't too impressed with these uh, two scores for these two films we're talking about I will today. send you both of the soundtracks, and you can listen to them back-to-back and tell me which one sounds like a cat on a piano and which one sounds like it was actually had some thought put into it. Okay, I'll take you up on that. Okay, uh, you, the, the answer is, Bird of the Crystal Plumage has the cat on the piano. <laughs> yeah, but does Bird of the Crystal Plumage have an asthmatic having an orgasm on the soundtrack? Because that was pretty awesome. That's why I do the music when I first heard it. It's like, oh my god, I've heard this before. I've got this somewhere. It's like, yes, this is on my, my Italian uh, Giallo soundtracks collection or whatever. I don't need the soundtrack. I've got Patrick. Uh, <laughs> did either of you have a... It's like Darth Vader. Having <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a Hall's Mentalyptus or something. <laughs> did either of how's you have bre- a heart? How's my breath? <laughs> 
Did either of you have a hard time buying that Giannini's character, Inspector Tellini, failed to see the obvious that all the women murdered were in the same way, uh, or in some way connected to the spa? He's flawed. <laughs> <laughs> Very flawed, I would say. Well, this is why his girlfriend is introducing him to everybody, to the, the movie guys as the inspector, but he's really not. She's like, oh, this way it sounds more impressive. And he's even listed as Inspector uh, Tellini in the, uh, the film credits. So, well, he's not an inspector, so what the fuck does that mean? I don't get it. Hmm. We may never know. <laughs> well, yeah. we might never care. I think the like, reason well, was, I think the reason he wasn't catching on to it is because it's not in the script. <laughs> I like I'm, being, I'm, not, I'm being exactly. serious. Like character, like I like the character. I thought he was smart, but you know, it's not the script. <laughs> he can't do anything about it. <laughs> uh, well, that's one way to answer it. Uh, Patrick, have you ever been in a situation where you just got caught doing something illegal, much like the doctor in this film, while you happened to be holding a live tarantula with a pair of tongs, and in a moment of panic decided to throw the tarantula at your accuser? And if so, how did that turn out for you? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I okay. brought up the okay. There was tarantula. a lot of parts to that question, because the first part, okay, first part, I don't think I could answer this without my lawyer being here. <laughs> For starters, no. No, but you know what? When you're in the moment, <laughs> the panic response takes over, and your body your body does is not communicating with your brain. The body does what it's going to do. And if your body says the, safest, the best thing to do is to fling this direction across the room. <laughs> you thought that was going to be part of the, this whole uh, Black Bailey conspiracy that was going on, and somehow tied into that with the, the doctor and the, the guy with the... the Tarantulas, like they were using cocaine rather than sand in their, their shipping carcass or whatever. Okay, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. I'm sorry, if that was sand, if that was cocaine and not sand, that tarantula would have been fucked up. You could <laughs> It would have jumped across the room by itself. Nobody, no throwing <laughs> necessary. <laughs> boogie, boogie, boogie. <laughs> it's grinding its teeth. <laughs> Uh, well, unlike Bird with a Crystal Plumage, in which Winning. the killer yes, oh, okay, in which the killer turned out to be someone you never would have thought of. Here, it was just the opposite. Without giving away who the killer is, did you like me find it to be all too obvious? Did you see it coming a mile away? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> see it yes, I oh, did. Because was thing. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go. No, I, I was, go ahead. It's no, fucking you go. I'm being nice. So as soon as they bring yeah. the guy, it's like, oh, first they they bring the guy. What is your name? So and so. But they call me whatever. Are you married? Oh, God, no. Okay, he's no longer suspect. <laughs> no, no, it yeah, was... Yeah, there was that. Oh, oh my God. Brentford. <laughs> oh, my God, no. And then they bring the blind guy. Like, oh, can you take guy for glasses? Okay, he's no longer a suspect. Wait, but you're not going to ask them any questions about what the fuck is going on while all these people are turning them dead into your spa? <laughs> no, do you know these people? No, no, no. Okay, it's this killer is why, workout all over again. This is why you could have put it in Inspector Clouseau and it would have made a difference because there's no line of questioning. Are you married? No. Okay. Yes, that's, there's that. That's... There's that. I was actually... Well, yeah. Well, the thing is, what did answer Sean's question about the, the killer? It was not a surprise because when you introduce somebody like that, I'm trying not to give it away, with that particular trait and then have him disappear for most of the movie... And pop up occasionally, like, you don't have somebody that unusual in a film. Right. And then not I would agree. anything. I was yeah, just happy that it wasn't the flame. Can we just guy. give away the Andy? Because this is really getting awkward, right? It's <laughs> the blind guy. The blind guy did it. <laughs> Spoilers. Oh, it's too late. But anyway. The movie's fucking 40 years old. Come on. 
<laughs> well, I'm thinking it's a giallo. You know, if people who haven't actually seen the movie and listen to this, I think I'll give this movie a try. Well, now uh, you know. So. Nobody's going to listen to the you show unless they see the movie. I think it's still good not knowing. I mean, you know, knowing, it doesn't matter. So I think it's a good movie either way. I enjoyed it. So, fuck you. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. Yes, oh, pretty, there you go. Were they huh? having the chase scene up on the rooftops? Ooh. I don't yeah, like that, how that was. That was pretty yeah, that was pretty well done. I would because they were wearing those, those like bottomed uh, Italian dress shoes and stuff. So I wouldn't be running up there yeah. anyway. See that? And the arm didn't the arm didn't pop off the dummy in this one when it fell off the building. Would <laughs> 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 you like to see that happen though? You just cut that scene from uh, Doctor Butcher and Dean put it in <laughs> slash zombie <laughs> holocaust. Yeah, this mo- the, this part was actually where I started to get bored. The chasing went on forever. And the thing is, I think I started to get bored because I sat there going, you know, once the chase started going, call for backup. You didn't call for backup. Nobody called for backup. It's because he's a spectacle who's so good. I guess it. so, yeah. <laughs> he's flawed. But then, okay, but, then, but then after the big chasing, <laughs> oh, spoiler, another spoiler coming. <laughs> the guy he's chasing gets killed because he gets run over by a Miata. <laughs> <laughs> they weigh eight pounds. <laughs> What a pussy! <laughs> you skip breakfast this morning? What the hell was that? <laughs> uh, yeah, that will tend to ruin your day, though. Um, on. <laughs> also, at the end, I noticed um, after the usually have the final scene and these giallos, I guess it's all <laughs> taken from Psycho, where you have the psychiatrist trying to explain the motives behind the killer. And I loved how in this, the psychiatrist starts babbling on to uh, Giannini, and he just kind of, no, I don't care. <laughs> he just pulls him off and walks away. It was just I don't like, care. I don't like, oh, fuck know, my wife. Okay, it's like, like the left in the movie, but, but they waste like three minutes of that, and then the rest of it is like seven minutes of him like walking into a crowd so they can play credits. I said, like, wait a second. You had all that time. You could have done like an actual explanation of this movie. What happened with the whole... Uh, Blackmailing conspiracy. See, that's what Chris Here, let's really go have some Campari. Hey. He just walks off into a crowd. It's like this long, slow walk. It's like, okay. It's like this very, like, dirty, hairy ending where he throws his badge in the, the San Francisco Bay or whatever. And it's like, ah, come on. But none of that even. No, I don't think I can do this anymore. Well, here, we'll talk about it later. Okay. And then he just wanders off. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't care. I'm done. I'm off. Can the I block. see my wife now? Nah, she's, she's getting better. You can see her later. Oh, okay. End of movie. Run credits. <laughs> have a nice day. <laughs> Can we talk well, about the spa now? Yes, let's talk about the spa. What would you like to talk about with the spa? <laughs> I love the spa. The spa made me laugh. They were smoking in the pool. That made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so having all the fat women eat. Come on, big girls are happy too. I'm serving all this food. And they had all the 70s equipment that they don't use anymore, like those those steam boxes with your heads just sticking out. So that's fun to see. And those those belts where they just shake your fat around. It's just fun to see all that stuff, but just they're smoking in the pool. The clear igloo around. They all have makeup and hair done in the pool and in the sweat box. (laughs) Favorite line of dialogue with the mustache woman. Oh, come on, don't waste your time. A hairy woman is a happy woman. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, that's, that's my big note out here. Guy capital letters. What's with the mustache woman in the spa? <laughs> uh, yeah, I did like Italy, the- you idiot. <laughs> Dude, that was not Italy. That was <laughs> she looked like a Castro sister or something. <laughs> Dude, she, well, it's, it's a good thing that they didn't show up sooner because she was having her arms done before that guy got there. And of course, and they got like the magnifying glass thing like on her like upper lip or whatever before they pull it away to show that this woman still does have a mustache. <laughs> it was like. Really? Do we need a magnifying glass? Like, you couldn't see this? Chris, it's a horror movie. 
Yes. Well, <laughs> let's go ahead and jump to our high point, low point. Uh, I guess I'll okay, start this okay. off. The high point, I would say, uh, was the cast, which I thought turned in solid performances, much more so than what you normally get with these type of films. Uh, and my low point is I thought this one lacked any real visual flair and coming on the heels of Mario Bava and Dario Argento. If you're not on your A game in that department, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb. Uh, Patrick, what about you? High point, low point? Um, the sorry, swimming pool just... with the clear bubble around it? <laughs> that was weird, too. <laughs> <laughs> that was very strange. I forgot about that. Um, no, I just was thinking about what you said about the visual style. And then when, Now that you mentioned it, it was pretty straightforward. But... It was kind of like a blend of Giallo and what Chris said, the Dirty Harry movies visually. So, I, okay, I kind of see what they were going for. Um, high point, low point. I think, um, sorry, I'm doing the soundtrack and I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> I think the high point for me, I, I there was that first scene, I guess the first murder scene, not so much the murder, but just the whole mood of the house. Like the house was just filled with this god awful art and this really European seventies mod furniture. Like if you looked up mod in the encyclopedia, you would see this apartment. <laughs> but she sold it for four hundred. Remember, the girlfriend sold it for four hundred thousand lira, so that's when they could get new furniture. But she would let the movers take the bed. It was like okay. No, no that's a whole different house. It's a whole different. House. By the way, four hundred thousand lira is like fifteen dollars. I've been there, but still. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can't even buy a woman a, a good straight razor to shave with. Them. I know that, I know that, but still, but no, I'm just saying the first, the first, first scene, just like that whole mood of it, the visually and the music and the murder was gruesome. That whole everything works for me in that scene. Also, right. have you guys seen Tenebre? Yes, yes. That's the same house, isn't it? Mm, it's been a while since I've seen Tenebre, but that, that, yeah, because I just saw that last uh, last year, and there's that house that they use with that's all. The whole front of it is windows. There's an axe murder in the back. I'm, I will guarantee it's the same house. I'm not looking on an IMDb, but I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> the house has a credit? <laughs> no, it would probably be an interesting trivia. This is the there's, same yeah, house. Yeah, I looked. There's no trivia facts on here, but yeah. That, well, I just made it up. It's now. Yes, it's now there you go. This is the thank power you. of the media right here. I didn't have any to give today, so thank you. Excellent. Uh, the low point for me was just the pacing. That's the 70s. I, that's just for me. I, I, I enjoyed this over. I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed Giallo normally. Okay. Great. I'll probably think of a low point. Okay, you know what? I, you know what? I didn't like... <laughs> Mustache woman. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, okay. Low point. I already said it. Twice. Twice. Twice he's got a suspect with important information. Who's in danger? I'll tell you later. Who says, I'll tell you later. Come back tomorrow. I'm tired. I'm and tired. And get murdered afterwards. <laughs> Twice, fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me okay. twice. I have Inspector Clouseau. Shame on deaf head and big ears, whatever the fuck. It is. <laughs> and call for fucking backup. He did that several times. Like call for backup. Yeah, especially when you think your wife is about to be murdered, it might help to uh, call that in and see if somebody might be nearby that might be able to swing in. Yeah, he got by, back to the house really quickly during that that end scene. But uh, the killer is in the house, and I was drawing her up, and she sees the killer, and she screams just before the phone starts ringing. And then he hangs up, and the next thing you hear is he's pulling up. So it's like, was he investigating next door? Or what was that? I did like when she was kind of floating in and out of consciousness, and and, and the uh, killer was saying, "I can't enjoy this if you're not conscious." Looks <laughs> like my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Chris, high point, low point. 
Okay, uh, that was overall, just a low point for me right now. <laughs> <laughs> overall, I thought the movie was really well done. Uh, I mean, it doesn't have the, the typical, like, glary, like, bad-colored lighting like jellos are typical with. That, but I do enjoy that, though. But, uh... <laughs> Uh, high point, high point. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was it was done well. Low point, of course. It's just he never followed up on any of the, the fucking clues that he got. He's just letting suspects go left and right, and that whole blackmailing thing never came to any kind of fruition. It's like ah, too many red herrings and not enough uh, too many loose ends on that. I guess. Why's it got to be blackmail, Chris? Huh? <laughs> oh, he, okay. The, the, Why's it got to be doctor, blackmail? Huh? The suspect was okay. The first suspect was. You just want to uh, make this all racial, you son of a bitch. This is this is Zadie's <laughs> husband or whatever, but they've been separated. But he uh, he's a suspect for killing her, and they don't know. Well, here, am I free to go? Yeah, sure, no problem. They just let him walk out the door. It's like, dude, you're not even gonna trail this guy. But yeah. he's he's living in an abandoned house owned by this doctor guy who does the uh, the uh, what you call it uh, acupuncture. When they go to investigate the doctor, oh, he's got all the the, the tarantulas there with the all the cocaine needle. stuff. But I mean, there's like all this like endless trail. Okay, this is going somewhere. No, it's not. Just forget it. This is another movie completely. I like, wouldn't none say, of them ever explained. I wouldn't say that was any uh, worse of a violator than Black, uh, Bird with the Crystal Plumage with its uh, guy in the yellow raincoat chasing uh, the main <laughs> the protagonist with a silencer through the streets of Rome. Only to find out that had absolutely nothing to do with the rest of the movie. But anyway, I guess you kind of have to expect these things, these little slight detours and these types. They're of Italian. Stuff. Oh, okay. I, I know what, which is uh, another low point. <laughs> For a movie that was really well done and everything, I have a lot of low points in this movie. The part where uh, Inspector Clouseau gets into his car and then that truck backs up with all the uh, the girders on it and smashes through the windshield trying to kill him. Yeah. And he just gets out really nonchalant and walks up there like he's just going to like trade uh, insurance information or something. <laughs> oh, look, there's nobody in the car. It was the killer. And he's just kind of like, oh, okay. And he just kind of like, walks back to his car. He's like, dude, are you serious? You didn't even like, check to see where the guy was running off to or anything? It's like, ah. Wasn't in the script. He was dude. in the Failing wrong line the of work. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know how he kept talking I about... I just want to be making a pizza! <laughs> I'm thinking of, of quitting the force. You know what? Now's probably a good time, because you're an idiot, guy. <laughs> Seriously. You let all the, the main suspects go. You don't follow up on leads. You're not trying to find out what this whole conspiracy with the cocaine-selling tarantula guy is, or any of this stuff. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you let a guy throw a tarantula on you. Get me out of this Yeah, and to think he would later go on... What do you think about while during your work hours, guy? Seriously. <laughs> and to think he would later go on to mentor James Bond. What's up with that? Okay. Uh-huh. No, well, let's do, Biggie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good movie, though. I would definitely recommend it. Even, even if you, if you only see, if you only see one mustache woman this year, make it the one in Black Belly of the Tarantula. Greatest Giallo of all time? Uh, I think eh. the box cover stretching that one, but it was enjoyable. So uh, it's very enjoyable. That's what she said. All right. Well, let's uh, go ahead and wrap it up, Patrick. Once again, we thank you for coming on the show. Oh, Would you're you- welcome. Thank you for letting me yell at you and make fun of you. Oh, absolutely. Wouldn't have it any other way. Would you uh, like to tell everybody where they can find you and your podcast, Scream Queens? Uh, of course. Uh, you can find me at www.screamqueens.com, and that is Queens with a Z. And we're on the iTunes Store, we're on the Zoom, well, and all that other good stuff. Mr. Fantasy. Okay, well, fantastic. And I'm going to be all up in your business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Well, Chris, <laughs> I'm going to be on your business like a mustache I didn't tell you. Chris, let's go ahead and wrap this up and move on to our closing segment, shall we? Okie dokie. Okay. We'll be right back right after this. Hi, Patrick. It's Betty. Uh, Betty! I I left you a voicemail because I was actually trying to re-record 
to try to get the time down, and I hit end instead. So oh. I'm not even sure if it went through, but I'm going to try to make this one a bit briefer. So maybe you'd rather play this one if the first one even went through. Anyway, uh, <laughs> thanks for playing my or talking about my uh, email that I sent you um, mm-hmm. regarding Hurricane Irene, which luckily turned out to be much ado about nothing. Yes. Um, and uh, you know, we actually didn't even lose our power or anything. Oh, uh, I don't live in Carolina. I live in Maryland, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Whatever. Zombart also lives in Maryland, but I'm not sure where. But Zombart, um, we live on the eastern shore, so you can imagine how paranoid we were yeah, about this whole it. thing because we were closer to it. So, But it turned out to be fine. Derwood and I stayed in and watched Dexter. <laughs> Only lost power for like five <laughs> seconds, and then it came right back on. So everything oh, was cool. Oh, good old Derwood. I'm glad that you also didn't, uh, uh, you know, have any damage or flooding or anything like that. So that's good. Anyway, I wanted to thank you for two shark-related issues. Thank you for steering us away from Shark Night 3D, which, yes. after listening to your review, sounds like a big piece of crap. Yeah. We were all set to go see it because it looked like fun. But thank you for that. Uh, You're welcome. We'll save ourselves the misery. But. Uh, last night, Derwood had something to do, so I was home by myself, and I decided to pop in, um, well, not pop porn? in, but watch on Instant Watch. It was uh, porn. The Reef. Oh, on The Reef. Suggestion. Okay, that, that's nice, too. Excellent movie. I loved it. It's yeah, good, great. good, 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 good. Um, just so well done. And it takes place in Australia, where it's a lot more likely for sharks to be than a brackish lake somewhere in the United States. Ooh, so. That was uh, that was a, a good thing, and it was just so well done, it, so suspenseful, so tense, mm-hmm. um, and you know you don't really even see the shark for an hour. I was watching the clock, but I wasn't bored in any no. way because the way that they um, the tension mounts in this movie, it just keeps you on the edge of your seat because it's the implied danger for the first hour that keeps you so nervous yes. and. When the shark does finally appear, it seems to materialize out of nothing Nowhere. in the water. And that was yes. freaking terrifying I to me. Freaked. And, um, you know, you just find yourself putting yourself in these people's place because oh, they have to make yeah. some really hard decisions in order to survive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just loved it, every minute of it. It was uh, a very high recommend. I would say save your money. And watch this on Netflix for practically nothing rather than spending $15 on uh, that Shark Night 3D, which just sounds awful. Yeah. (laughs) um, Also, real quick, Darwood and I watched Kevin Smith's Red State. Yes. I don't even know is uh, would be considered horror. Uh, he's but, pushing it like uh, We liked it. Of course, we like okay. Kevin Smith, and I okay. think that has a lot to do with your opinion. So I don't even know if you're interested in this. Uh, if you like Kevin Smith or not, we do. I'm and hitting we miss. thought the movie was pretty good, but the little I've heard about it so far has not been good. So hmm. just wondering what your thoughts are on that one. All righty. I'll talk to you later. Take care. Bye. Bye. Okay, Betty. It's wonderful to hear from you. I'm glad you didn't get washed your way out to sea and wind up in a reef somewhere. You know, hanging on somebody's door at Christmas. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad everything went okay for you with the, with the um, hurricane and all. Um, I'm so happy to hear you talking about Durwood. I've missed Durwood. I liked when you two would call in together. You guys were like the lunces of Scream Queens. And if all y'all out there don't get that, fuck you, theater joke. Snap, snap. Okay, I'm just going to get depressing for a split second. Yeah, we didn't get a hit 
at hard with the hurricane at all. Uh, and when I was calling around to my family, everybody had their power except my sister, Teresa. She was all by herself in the storm, and she called my mom to come over. My sister was like, oh, I'm on duty to go over and help. And she's like, no, I want mom. Well, I'm sorry. And like her, just this girl just could never get a break until the time she passed. She just did not get a break. But anyway, let's go back to talking about fun stuff. I'm super glad you like the reef. I love it when people take my advice and take a risk on something that nobody's heard of. And then come back and tell me how great I am for telling you about it because it's just nice to know that you guys are finally figuring out how great I am. That's what the whole point of this podcast is to spread my greatness to the world. As opposed to my cooties, which I was doing previously. Um, and you're right. The reef, the first hour of the reef, there are no sharks. But there is this element of tension. Well, you know what's coming. But also there's the whole shipwreck thing, which is tense as it is. And, and that figuring out what they're going to do. And when you realize that both options just suck and suck more. And you go, and the whole time they're swimming, and you're just like, okay, the shark's going to show up any second. It's going to show up any second, and I'm going to freak out. The shark's going to show up any second, and I'm going to freak out. And the shark's going to show up any second. And, and then it did. And I did. So there you are. Also, I had to say, I liked everybody except for that guy who reminded me of my boss. So I actually was very upset when characters uh, were eaten, which was not the case in Shark Night. Everybody applauded, including myself. And by the way, Derwood, since you called me on boobs last time when I told you to go watch, um, what the hell was it? Primal? And you told me that they were, I can't believe you made me watch a movie with no boobs in it. Shark Night, no boobs. Somebody takes their top off, no boobs. Shameful. Shameful. As for Red State, I have not seen it yet. Uh, I have heard such wildly mixed things, and I know some Kevin Smith's Kevin Smith fans have just been inconsolably pissed off about the whole thing. I'm only a moderate Kevin Smith fan. He's hit and miss with me, so I could take it or leave it. So I'm not going to be offended one way or another if it's bad. But I know some people are just out for blood. They're so offended at how bad this movie is, and well, fuck them. That's what I say. <laughs> It's a fucking movie. Get over it. Okay, thank you for calling in, Betty. Do it more often, girl. And yes, by the way, I did get your first phone call, but I decided to go with this one. Just because if... I, I don't know. I always figure the second take is better. And you didn't say anything really, really embarrassing in the first one for me to make fun of. So, not that you did here, but you, you took less time giving me stuff not to make fun of. Right on, girl. Hey, Patrick. I'm calling back again. It's the Zombert. Zombert. Uh, punching bag. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, I got two quick reviews I wanted to do for you. One yes. you requested, one you did not, but you're going to get them both because that's how I roll. Ooh, uh, the first Jesse. one, I caught uh, Death Valley, that new show on MTV. Yes. Um, you sent out a thing saying, hey, people, watch this. Well, I watched it. I've watched the first two episodes so far. Uh -huh. And uh, it's okay. Yeah, that's what I'll I feel. I keep watching it. It's, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's nothing groundbreaking. It's, mm. it's basically... Um, it fills that Reno 911 kind of hole. Mm -hmm. um, I'm worried that it's going to peter out too fast because they've already kind of blown their wad. Like, we already got werewolves, we already got vampires, we already got zombies, and we're already falling back on all the staples that have already been done a million times. Um, I think as I get more into the personality of the cops and they start developing being the characters, yeah, it'll get better. Uh -huh. I think the police Maybe. chief guy, I don't know who his name is, but I think he's my favorite part of the show. Okay. He's pretty good. The two guys that are always on the beat. Uh, they have the one who's like the pervert guy, and then like the uh, the straight man in the team. Yes. Uh, not, the Luke Costello. Kind of straight man, but you know. I, sh I know what you mean. One. I think they have some good back and forth. 
Um, so I, I kind of want to see where it goes. It, it's not, it's, it, it's not bad. It's something that I'll stick with, and I suggest others do it too. Yep. And if you could uh, get it on DVR or something, even better. That way you don't have to sit through the god-awful MTV commercials and all that crap. They had this, what's this show? It, that's some video camera show Some that they're right before it. And I don't remember. It's like called Outrageous or something. Or Yeah, I, I caught the tail end of it. I don't know what it's called. care about it, but it's sub Tosh.0. No, Tosh.0 I could actually watch. Uh, this is I, sub yeah, one up on me. No, this is worse than that. This is just god-awful video clips that one of the guys from Jackass, like, organized, Jeff Tremaine. And I'm watching the show, and it's just, it smacks of such unoriginality that mm-hmm. it hurt me to watch it. So, yeah, DVR Death Valley, just watch that, and <laughs> stay away from any other MTV programming. It's awful. It'll hurt your brain. Well, yeah, it has been that. for a long time, darling. Um, hopefully Death Valley will get picked up by some other channel. It seems a lot more... Uh, Comedy Central. Like, Comedy Central, like, I could see this going with Workaholics type thing, which I do like. I do like oh, I love Workaholics. Okay. That's that review? Okay. Next one, Troll Hunter. Got my copy of Troll Hunter. It's out on DVD. Um, been waiting months to see it. Uh-huh. And um, I like it. I Good. like it. I don't love it. Um, uh. My problem with it, and this one is self-inflicted, um, I knew too much. I had read too many reviews. And when I'm watching the movie, it's going basically, I knew it was going to happen. I knew every scene. I knew every joke. And I was like, oh, well, I screwed myself over. Tisk, tisk, tisk. Still, I'd say it was a good movie. My problems with it um, is that, once again, it's shaky cam. So you got to be ready for shaky cam. <laughs> but I also found this one to be really dark. Like, I would, I would each time I watched this, it would be at night. And there would be times where the screen just blacks out. You don't know what's going on. Oh, okay. But not in a good way. It's like, because they're running through the woods, but you can't, even when they're trying to focus the camera on something, until they turn on night vision, you can't see anything. Right. And I think that would play much better to a theater. I think most of this movie would play much better to Uh a theater. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's my little TV and watching it on. And for that, it's really sad that I didn't get to see it in the theater first. So I think the scale and size of some of the trolls running around and the way it's set up and the sound effects and everything would be much more suited towards theater experience. Oh, that's too bad. So, I don't know. I guess I'm interested to hear what people say about small screen uh, screenings of it. And, uh, but yeah... It's good. It's going to be playing at my Halloween party, so... Yay! Like it. Didn't love it. I think I wrecked it for myself. But those are my reviews. Rectum? Talk at you later. Did you just say rectum? Nobody says rectum on my show and gets away with it, goddammit! Okay, Zombar, thank you for calling in and saying rectum. You horrible person, you. I don't have much to add about Death Valley. For those of you who are wondering what he's talking about, on Facebook, uh, I got tipped off from Rich at the uh, Dark Side horror movie meetup group that this new horror-based series was coming out on MTV. And it's basically like an improv comedy version of, um, well, like he said, Reno 911 meets, I don't know, I, with, vamp- with vampires and monsters. Um, I hear it's kind of ripping off an internet series called Monster Cops, which I know the Night of the Living podcast crew really enjoys, which I have not seen. So somebody go Google that and check it out and tell me if it's the same show or not. And then we can go beat them up at MTV because they're stupid. 
my super sweet 16. My ass. My super sweet ass. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I don't know what else to show. I, I can't. I, it's all garbage. You mentioned Tosh.0. I'm sorry. Brad and I try and we just sit there and watch it and we don't get it. It's not funny. And then I hear other people talking about, oh my God, it's the funniest thing ever. Oh, he's so much funny there than everybody else on TV. And the two of us are like, we feel really old. But clearly we're not. So obviously the rest of the world is not funny. And um, Troll Hunter, uh, well, you did it yourself. I, you said it yourself, so I got nothing else to say. I know some people who saw it in the theater and they really enjoyed it. I have not seen it myself. Um, nor have I heard a lot from people who have seen it. But uh, I, 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 I. I don't know what to say. But if you liked it, Zombart liked it, everybody. So everybody, go try and check it out and watch it on a really big-ass screen in total darkness. And then light a candle, look in the mirror, and say Zombart three times, and he will appear behind you. And he will nibble your jujubes. Oh, yeah. Next call. Hey, Patrick, this is Trey. Trey! Uh, I just want to call. First of all, say I'm glad that Hurricane Irene didn't cause you any problems. Nah, she was a pussy. Hurricanes and they're a pain in the ass. So I'm glad mm. you didn't get any damage. Also, I'm glad that you covered um, Satan's Cheerleaders a few episodes ago. I love that movie. I, I saw it on TV. God damn it, Trey. When I was a kid. I remember seeing it when I was like eight or nine. And I loved it. I thought it was so cool. And, at the, you know, at the time I didn't realize how stupid and campy it was. It's it genius. Was and also, I was kind of going through puberty, and I got a huge crush on the actor who played Stevie the football player. <laughs> so whenever I think of that movie, I think of cute little Stevie in his blue underwear. And the movie kind of ushered little eight-year-old me through puberty. So Oh, it's got a whole new meaning now. Ew. Anyway, um, a couple of episodes ago, I called them bitching and moaning about how there weren't any really good horror movies around. Yes. And I got to say, I saw a movie this last week that I fell in love with. I absolutely loved it. I rented it. I loved it so much that I think I actually may go out and buy it. I'm all ears. Um, it's called Triangle. Uh, oh, uh, Triangle, yes. And it stars Melissa George and Liam Hemsworth. Um, it, it, it's a fantastic movie. I mean, it's it's got some flaws. It's not perfect. No. But it's very ambitious. Um, now, it, it's the kind of movie that you can't talk about it too much without spoiling a lot of No, it. I was going to slap you if you started talking about it. The movie is finding out where it goes. So I don't want to spoil it, but... It's hard to even the box mispromotes it. Um, Absolutely. The basic premise is a bunch of friends go out on a sailing trip. Um, they're caught in a storm. The ship's capsized, and then a tanker comes by and picks them up. They get on the tanker, and the tanker's completely empty. No one's there, except for a mass figure with an axe who starts killing them off. And this is the way the movie's promoted. The cover box has a mass figure and an axe. People mm-hmm. on a boat being chased by a killer sounds pretty generic. Very. Then the plot takes a twist and goes in a completely different direction. Uh-huh. That's what I'm going to say. This is a, I, I thought it was a fantastic movie. Um, it's ambitious and it's, it remind, it's, it's similar to movies like Memento or there's an old science fiction movie or older science fiction movie called Primer. It's, it's very convoluted. There's a lot going on and it doesn't give you all the information until the very end of the movie. No, it doesn't. But it doesn't tie the information together. It's up to you to figure out how everything fits together. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like Me too. That, you know, I saw it. I actually watched it again the, the, the second day just so I could piece together what exactly happened in the movie. Um, it may be a little bit too clever for its own good. There's a lot of... I, I think there's some, some plot holes, some things I don't really quite get, but I get the basic gist of the movie. And so uh-huh. I like that. It's, it challenged, you know, challenged me to think a little bit. 
And I also like the main character, Jess, played by Mosa George. Um, I love her. She's not a perfect person. She's got some flaws. She's got some serious flaws. She's coming to play during the plot. And the movie is as much about her as a character than just what's going on in the story. It's Mm -hmm. not about people being chased on a ship and killed. The movie's about Jess. And I like that. I like the fact that, yeah, the movie's just about her. And I I can't say too much about giving it away, but her motivation and why she does things form a crucial part of what's going on. So Triangle. I liked it. It's different. Some people may say it's not a traditional horror movie. It's more Twilight Zone-ish, but it's good. Yeah. It's good. It's different. <laughs> Maybe some, some logic holes, and if those kind of things drive you nuts, the overly complicated plots that don't explain everything. Then shut up. That's what I say. Just shut up if you don't like it. But it's definitely different. Yes. So, hope all's going well with you. Um, I'm not going to catch Shark Night or Flight Night. I'll wait for the Reynolds. Thanks for the heads up. You're welcome. I'll talk to you later. Bye. You know what, Trey? We have got to have a really serious conversation here. We've got to have a, an intervention, if you will. There's something unhealthy going on between us, okay? Now, listeners, you probably don't understand what I'm talking about. It's just, he calls in and tells me how much he's always loved Satan's cheerleaders, how he saw it as a child and it changed his life and had sparked his budding sexuality and all that. Stop single white femaling me right now. Okay? No, the more Trey and I converse on the Facebook and all that, the more we realize we're very, very similar. Like, separated at birth similar. Like, creepy-ass similar. Like, give me back... (laughs) As in, don't you even think about touching my tiara, bitch. We ain't that similar similar. So knock it off. He even likes Dance Moms. He shares the same Dance Moms editions addiction that I do and he is so proud of it it is his avatar on Facebook his avatar is little Nia dancing to Laquifa and if you don't know what that means too fucking bad this is quality television suck my balls twice on Sunday triangle was awesome I saw it a while ago I saw it really early in the morning for some reason I got up and watched it and Somehow watching it in the mer- early in the morning made it creepier because I was half awake and I'm just like, this movie is so weird. Am I still asleep? I don't know what that was supposed to be, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, I Again, you can't talk about the movie at all. It's completely mismarketed. And that makes me angry when that happens. So people who go in looking for that movie are sorely disappointed because they're probably not going to enjoy the little intellectual games that go on. In Triangle. And this actually just happened a while ago. Before, Actually, it was a good while ago before I started doing the podcast. I had rented this movie called Bane from Netflix. B-A-N-E. Like Bane of my existence. And when it showed up in the, in the mail, I looked at it and I said, when the fuck did I put this in my queue? And why? I looked it up and it was the description of it was really torture porn. It's like, oh, women find themselves in the torture dungeon of some evil maniacal... F- whatever, and they must fight for survival. This could not have been further from the truth. This movie was actually excellent. Even Mr. Brad liked it. Um, Maybe I'll have to talk about that sometime, but, you know, uh, Trey, why don't you check out Bane and let me know what you think. Never mind, I already know what you think. (gasps) I heard what you just thought just now. (gasps) What you just thought right now was very dirty. (gasps) Ooh, and you know I liked it. Ooh, get out of my brain. This is creepy. You're creepy, and I like it. Hey, Patrick, this is Jay, the Honk Cub, calling from Delaware. 
Holy uh, shit, Honk Cub, hey! For the auto, audio quality ahead of time. I am in the car uh. using the Bluetooth speaker, but this was a good time for me to call, so I just figured, what the hell. Hopefully, you'll be able to make it out. So um, far, so good, baby. I to say, hey, enjoying the podcast as usual. Love Thank that uh, short story that was read a couple of uh, episodes ago. I thought that was awesome. When I first started, story? I was a little unsure, but I really did enjoy that. Short story? Um, just wanted to... Uh, hmm. Uh, just sort of give a quick uh, review of a couple of movies that I saw recently. One, which happened to be The Reef, which you just uh, did a mini Oh my God, it's on The Reef Show. Podcast. I also, for some reason, that title just sort of caught my mind when I was, uh, on my eye when I was scanning the, uh, the instant watch titles on Netflix. And being a big shark fan and uh, somebody that was traumatized by Jaws in the action in the theater when it was originally shown while mm-hmm. I was reading the book. I can never resist a good shark story, and I really did enjoy that one. I think uh, Australia has some really decent horror movies coming out of there, like uh, Lake Mungo and uh, Dark, I think it was Dark Water. Oh, I love Lake Mungo. I all of those. Um, so, yeah, that was a good one. I would definitely recommend it. Uh, you know, nothing quite touches Jaws when it comes to shark movies. Oh, please, of course not. Uh, I'm not sure anything ever would. But. Uh, also, I recently watched From a Whisper to a Scream. Okay. I think goes under another title as well. When it was originally released, um, I think some people might consider that somewhat of a classic. I absolutely hated it. I thought it was uh. terrible. The acting was horrible. Okay. Uh, some of the story, you know, the vignettes were better than others. Um, the one about the Civil War children was probably the best of the four. Um, with, and with the carnival glass eater guy, probably the worst. Uh. Not maybe the creepy dude who saves his sister in ice water. I'm not quite sure which one was worse. Um, so I was not but, fond of that. Okay, that's uh, I weird. I also recently rewatched Unnameable, which is a 80s gem. Um, is that with the, hoof, with the goat woman? I really love Lovecraft quite a bit. That is the goat um, woman one. Of the one of better uh, Lovecraftian type movies, I think. Um, Monster's pretty decent. I don't like how they reveal it on the cover of the movie, yeah, because really you never even see what the monster looks like until at least three-quarters of the way through the movie. So mm. that's kind of a spoiler for those for those people who uh, have seen it before but yet got the, you know, the cover of the box. Um, but I enjoyed rewatching that one. You know, not, not the best acting or anything like that, but just an enjoyable story with that weird, creepy, Lovecraftian vibe to it that I love so much. Have yet to ever see the second part which seems to be somewhat hard to find, although there's a second part. Very poorly rated. I know uh, uh, not many people like that one, but I would like to eventually dig up a copy somewhere just to check it out. I'm on it. And then lastly, uh, I just watched this weekend a movie called Dead End with uh, Ray Wise uh, from Reaper yes. and uh, Twin Peaks fame. Really, really enjoyed that movie a lot. It was. It, it definitely had. It was very funny. I'm not sure how much of it was intentional, but. Mm. Um, you know, kind of an interesting plot, the twists and turns. You could tell they did not spend money on the gore. Uh, no. Because there really wasn't a whole lot shown, but I thought they did a really effective job with what they did show. I agree. And uh, the, the woman that plays the mother. Lynn Shay! Uh, who, uh, I guess, also played the, um, the medium in Insidious, was really, really good. I really enjoyed her performance. I don't remember her name. Lynn Shay! Really good job. And, and overall, I thought it was a really fun movie. I would highly recommend it. Um, anyway, uh, that's really about it. Uh, big hugs to you with, uh, everything you're going through. Won't go into all that because I know you've, 
you've heard it and, you know, you, you have to think about it as, as it is. But, um, you know, just sending my warm wishes and all that kind of stuff. Thank you, baby. And uh, let us know if you're planning to do any major uh, haunted houses coming up Halloween season. And uh, if you do, if you ever get down to the Mid-Atlantic area to check them out, let me know. It'd be uh, a blast to uh, to go with you, huh. Mr. Brad, to some of those. Uh, yeah, he won't go. But... Them, so. <laughs> anyway, take it easy. Keep on doing the good work, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Well, how do you like that, kids? Just thumbs up for the reef all the way around today. I, 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 Daddy picked a winner. Although I should really thank um, uh, Fozzie Bear and uh, Emily from Deadly Dolls since they pointed it out to me. But you know what? I'm sucking up all the credit because I can. Don't tell them I did that because they'll beat me up. Anyway, um, I'm glad you liked the reef. I was also traumatized by Jaws. In its original incarnation, original release. Okay, okay, story time, kids. Fireside chat. Gather around. Gather around. Now picture it. Long Island. What was it? What was that? 1975 it was out? Anyway, whatever year. It doesn't matter. It was playing at the drive-in. Now, we used to go to the drive-in a lot. It was a double-feature drive-in. Well, I mean, there was two screens to the drive-in. Whatever was on the other screen was what my parents had taken me to see. And also, like, all the other kids on the block, they're or kids from school, I don't remember, also wound up with this other movie at the second screen. What it was, I have no idea. I'm just going to throw out Benji, or For the Love of Benji, or some crap like that. And, of course, even at that age, I was more interested in going to see Jaws, even though I didn't know what it was about, but everybody was talking about it. And at some point, I, I, I went off to the restroom or the snack bar or something, though I never went back to the car. I stayed, and I sat next to this concession stand and just was watching Jaws even though I couldn't hear the sound and eventually all the other a lot of the other kids started trickling along and we were all just sitting there watching Jaws screaming our heads off even though we had no idea what was going on but we were making up our own dialogue and I, I believe the shark had dialogue like Mr. Sheriff I'm gonna eat you blah and it was awesome it was scary even without a soundtrack even without any dialogue it traumatized us all. I think this. I think the same thing happened with Alien. I don't know what our parents thought I were. Maybe they're all doing it. I don't know, but it was a different time. You know, you can let your kids run around. We wouldn't be molested. Or if we were, we didn't care. It was the seventies. We probably, you know, never mind. I'm not. I'm not even making that joke. Uh, Whisper to a scream. I've never seen it, but it sounds awful. The thing, the situations you're describing made no sense to me. I'm okay. He's bathing somebody in bath water. I don't know. I don't get it. Whatever. I know ice water. The unnameable. I saw that on VHS when I was in high school, and I hated it at the time. But at, also at the time, I was not familiar with Lovecraft at all, so I might not have gotten it. So I might have to give that a rewatch. And if I don't like it, I'm holding you responsible. And as far as the unnameable two goes. You don't know this, uh, but the guys over at Drunken Zombie and the people that listen over there know that if it's out there, I can find it when it comes to movies. I have this weird, like, weasel sense. Or, that the Weasel sense? Is that what I just said? Forget I ever said that. Let's just say I have, I, I don't know, I've, I've, I've got a sixth sense. How many, how many S's were in that sixth sense? At finding obscure movies somewhere, and usually legal copies. Anyway, I, and Dead End was awesome. Dead End is a wonderfully claustrophobic film. Incredibly flawed. Like, the humor, I'm going, this is so out of place. The guy, the kid jerk. Hold on. We're broken down by the side of the road, so I'm going to go jerk off 
for a minute. It was weird. It was weird, but the performance is safe. Ray Sheen is, is awesome, as is Lynn Shay, who is in contention for a certain title to be given out by this podcast next February. I'm not saying what it is, but I think you know what it is. Um, dude, I would love to go check out Haunted Houses with you. I am so dying to get out of this town, so possibly hooking up that way would be fantastic, and I will keep you posted, baby. And um, you do the same to me. Oof. Hey, Patrick. It's Kristen from Michigan here, hey, along Kristen. with uh, the new listener, Mel. Hey. Ooh, Mel. Ooh, um, it's a threesome. We just finished Ooh. watching The Reef together. And, the Reef. Um, Great film. It was, Thank you. It was, it was really entertaining, except that, well, we learned that uh, in a situation such as this, because Spoiler. And I just... And both of us were. I, I, I have to say. Spoilers! I, I God! I'm upset that, you know, I was like, going to come out of this. It's going to be the guy at the end. Uh. Oh, come on. I mean, at least show us, like. I'm going to kill you guys. Boat or. Oh, man, it's just. Okay, I, I, I feel. spoiled it. <laughs> uh huh, just. Re- thank you. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. Too late. <laughs> I haven't quite taught him the the rules of horror co- horror commentary yet, but uh, it was it was, Fail. It was great. Um, I have to say thanks for the um, the nod. Absolutely. Because um, otherwise, I was gonna just completely pass it by because I assumed that it was gonna be just crap. stupid. Yeah. But um, it was actually quite entertaining, and I have to say it was even more entertaining watching it with. Another person. If it would have been just me, uh, I wouldn't have, have enjoyed it nearly as much. But this is a great party movie. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's definitely pretty sure that they were you know stuffing peanut butter Snickers somewhere in that boat because you know they had to have made themselves pretty delicious to sharks somehow. Yeah. Wow. That that thing was hungry. <laughs> but it was also the most nonchalant looking shark ever. It was. I well, mean, this... it completely did not look uh, amused. In any way. No, no. It, it didn't look happy to be eating the people. It just looked like, eh, I've got nothing else to do today. Oh, God, I more tourists. Well, uh, people's women. Well, actually, uh, that it, it was most likely offended by the boogie board. Yes, the boogie board apparently was greatly offensive to the shark. Uh, it is, <laughs> actually. It's going after the boogie board. And if someone it's, grabs the boogie board, true. it, it attacks the boogie board. It... For some reason, that boogie board just pissed the shark off. Yeah, and that's what he kept going for. And it, and you know, the boogie board's floating out there, and it's like you know, uh, by no means will a shark you know be hiding under the boogie board and give me. Oh, oh, okay, it, it did it once. Um, ah! Do it again. Well, let's try it again. Ah! Oh, how about that? There he is again. Three times the charm, right? Can't have a shark there. Nope, nope. There it is. All right, just wanted to call and say thanks for the recommend. I don't even know what to say to you two. Shameful. Shameful behavior. As Mary Warnhoff said at her finest moment in rock and roll high school. Detention. Detention! Detention! For life!
bad students. Bad screamers. Screamers don't spoil movies. Bah! Do you know how much extra work I had to do to edit in all those beeps? You know how much? I am bereft, goddammit. I am grieving. <laughs> there are things I need to be doing like scarfing out gallons of chocolate ice cream and crying at Hallmark commercials and going through the phase where every song on the radio is about what you're feeling right now. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Not taking care of your sloppy tongues, you naughty pair. Naughty, naughty, naughty. But seriously, I'm glad you liked the movie, even though you felt the need to spoil it for everybody. Good thing I'm on the job here, motherfuckers. The rest of you can all thank me. I'll wait. And, uh, you know, I, since I'm in the teacher role now, I must point out your total, total ignorance. Ignorance! Now, maybe I know this because I grew up on the ocean. I grew up on Long Island. The beach was right there. We had sharks, so we had shark safety in school and such like that. Boogie boards plus sharks equals badness because from underneath, with the shark's limited vision, a person riding a surfboard or a boogie board, the silhouette somewhat resembles a seal, which is a shark, one of the shark, which is a favorite food of sharks. So we add this splashing in, which is different than regular splashing. They think you're a seal and you're more likely going to get your ass eaten on a boogie board or a surfboard. So meh. I hope you've learned something today besides shut your goddamn mouth when spoilers are concerned. I should make you write sentences on Blackboard saying, I will not spoil movies. Boogie boards attract sharks. I will not spoil movies. Boogie boards attract sharks. Over and over again until I am appeased. It's a good thing you two did an adorable twosome call, which I'm sorry is my new favorite thing at the moment. Because otherwise, I'd have Mr. Brad get his whip. Well, actually, it is a wet noodle, but, you know, just, just shut up, just shut up, shut up, shut up! Okay, this show is over. The show is broken, it's over. And it's Kristen and Mel's fault, but mostly Mel. Good Lord, Mel. You were jabbing like Robert R. Best when he's had a few highballs. And actually, you know, Robert's balls are very high. They're remarkably high. I thought they were earrings at first, when I first saw them. Oh my god, stop talking, Patrick, and wrap this puppy up for another week, because we are gone into crazy town. We are gone into crazy town. I have a degree in English, do you know that? Fuck you! So if you want to be like all these awesome people who called in, you could give me a call here at Scream Queen headquarters, or SQHQ if you prefer, at 347-767-3509. Or... You can send me an email at crew at screamqueens.com, and that's queens with a Z. You can like me on Facebook, you can follow me on Twitter, and, and it's nomination season, kids. That's right. It's that time again. It's time for the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Now, some of you might remember that I was nominated for Best GLBT Podcast last year, and I was honored, honored to be nominated. But you know what? Fuck that. I want to win this year. Daddy needs a new tiara is what I'm saying. So it is time to get out there and help me trounce damn Savage's ass. Because I'm sorry. You know, it, it gets better was a great idea and everything. No, it was genius. You know, he should get a Peabody. Uh, not a Peabody. A Pulitzer Prize for that. Or a Nobel Prize for peace or whatever. He deserves all the recognition that he gets. But God damn it, you're a nationally syndicated writer. You've got millions of listeners. Let's give a little queen a chance, huh? Bitch. 
So please head on over to www.podcastawards.com and vote for me in the GLBT category. And if you really like the show, vote for me in the People's Choice category as well. But please do not go crazy. Do not go crazy and nominate me in every single category because that's going to count against me. Now, you only have to vote once for the time being because if I do get the nomination, expect me to be whoring out daily to get your votes. And those of you who were around last year know how deep I'll go to get your vote. Way deep. Voting closes at 11.30 p.m., I guess, Eastern Standard Time on September 30th. So please, get on over there now. What are you waiting for? Well, wait till the end of the show and go. You know what? Learn how to multitask. Just vote for me. I'm pathetic. You know what? This has been a really hard show to get through. It was hard to sit down and actually do this just because of everything that's gone on. And I've been so depressed and angry and all this other stuff. But sitting down and doing this has made me feel better than I have felt in weeks. Recording the show for you guys has been a better time than I have had in a really long time. And I thank you for that. I know you're not even here, but you are. You are. Giving this to you has made me feel great. And um, it, made me, it gave me the courage to know that next time I will be able to sit down and watch some horror movies and give you some fresh material instead of regurgitating old stuff. As delicious as that regurgitation may be. What am I going to be looking at? I'm not sure, but you know what? If you've got any ideas, by all means, contact me. Call me. Write me. Tweet me. Make me write bad checks. Whatever you want to do. Um, But if there's a movie you'd like me to talk about, I want to talk about it too. Maybe. If it's cool. But um, you know what I mean. I value your input. I'm babbling. So until next time, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, Boy... Stop your crying already. Your mascara's running all over my dollies. Bye! I go hunting for witches. Heads up, galleries Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches! <laughs> Psst, it's me again. Now, you know, often I'll hide a little Easter egg back here for you devout listeners who stay all the way to the end of the episode. Normally something funny or... Wicked, but this week, not so much. As you know, my sister Teresa was a Beatles fan, so this is for her. And if the music industry wants to persecute me for playing this in its entirety, fuck them. Just let it be. Bro.
night is cloudy There is still a light that shines on me Shine until tomorrow, let it be I wake up to the sound of music 